Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on on all things Kansas City Royals, please go visit RoyalsReview.com. You can also support the podcast and the website further by following them both on Twitter. The podcast is available on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod and Royals Review is available on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Review. And as always, don't forget about our TikToks. All right. If you it's you're going to see me dancing sillily eventually on that uh, on that platform. That's the only platform that that's going to live at. So but if you just want to hear some of our silly questions and things like that, you can find those on Spotify there. You can respond to our polls and questions and answers. If you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on air in the following episode. And we did get a we got a mysterious anonymous response to our uh, to our last question saying, hey, what is your uh, favorite late night? And I said not sober because there there are many ways people um, don't stay sober nowadays. Um, So I didn't want to just say drunk. So but what is your late night not sober meal? And this person said nachos. Um, I do think that my that my co-host might know a little something about that response. You can follow him on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. He is Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are we doing tonight, man? Let me tell you, nachos are so incredibly versatile. You just need some corn chips and some cheese and then add whatever else you got lying around. You got some brisket. Cool brisket nachos. You got some. Uh, you got I don't know some pepperoni. Cool pepperoni nachos. It's just, <laughs> and you don't even need tortilla chips. You just find crackers or any kind of chips really will work. Just any get that crunch. You get that melty, ooey, gooey goodness, and you're good to go. That is that is an excellent point. I never thought about it like that. Hey, the uh, going around the horn here. Also joining us tonight on a uh, on a laptop this go around so hopefully folks can hear her a little better is the one and only my lovely wife honey honey how are we doing tonight hi i'm doing fine how are you <laughs> uh y'all she she's a little frustrated just due to uh, technical difficulties plus she's trying to eat dinner and she uh has a, a mastiff lurking in the darkness behind her so that's uh oh <laughs> she's she's really trying to get that food honey definitely i already yelled at her once i I bet you did i bet you did all right and joining us tonight is the one and only the man who makes all this happen he is the editor of royals review he is max reaper max how are we doing tonight sir great i i agree that nachos are pretty underrated and pretty versatile uh you can pretty much make them fit any situation or any kind of palate so uh yeah thanks for having me on and uh now you're making me crave nachos tonight (laughs) That is a that is a good problem to have. Well, hey, before we get on with the show, let's let's go ahead and talk about our partners over at Batch Elder Family Farms. So, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you already know about this incredible business down in Belton, Missouri. But for you first timers, we are thrilled to be partnered with Batch Elder Family Farms, a local gem right there in Belton, Missouri. So. Uh, Brad and Jenna Batchelder run the family farms. It is your go-to source for fresh, high-quality, and ethically produced beef. And uh, and Jeremy, I've had you list off a whole bunch of different cuts of meat during this yep. ad read. Which one from them sounds the most enticing to you? Oh man, I, it's always going to be steak. Steak. Yeah. I I mean, I, I you want something else on your nachos? You want to class up your nachos? Steak. Just put some true. steak on there. Boom. 
we're just nachos all night long, baby. I guess so. I guess so. But hey, they they offer all different cuts of of beef there. They also have bison at their uh, at their Ooh. partner or I I wanted they run they run another company that's just for bison. So I think that's pretty cool. A lot of irons in the fire for the batch elders, but. Here is the thing, you know, whenever you're ordering from them, that your meal will always be better with meat from Batchelder Family Farms. And they have been kind enough to offer our listeners an exclusive promo code for 15% off your purchase. That code is ROYAL, R-O-Y-A-L. And listen, it can it can make buying some steaks a little bit more feasible it could save you hundreds of dollars on a deposit for an entire cow. I mean, how however you want to use that promo code, you got some options. And but you're gonna well, you're gonna need that money because an entire cow is a lot of meat. You're gonna need is. a whole new freezer, baby. Yeah, exactly. But hey, just think with the savings you could buy that freezer. So, exactly. I, so I mean, I, I don't know. How sounds I, like a deal to me. Exactly. It sounds like a steal to me. And plus, it is you're supporting local business. You're supporting. Just good people, sustainable agriculture, and I think that is a great thing to support if you're spending money. And, and I just want to throw out there, I'm going to interrupt you to throw out, yeah, uh, we haven't mentioned it, but I feel like we should, since neither of us are local, uh, they do ship yeah, they outside do. of true. that area. I could, I'm, I'm going to get me some. So, you know, go out there, get you some Batch Elder Farms, wherever yep. you live. Exactly. And listen, you can you can go visit them in person in Belton, Missouri. I I've seen some pictures. I think it looks like a, a great little setup just south of Kansas City. I think it's like 30 minutes south. Not too bad. And you can have it shipped. You can shop their online store, BatchelderFamilyFarms.com. But no matter where you shop, please use our promo code Royal for 15 percent off your order with them. But let's go ahead and get on with the Royals. So we are we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on tonight's episode. It was it was looking a little thin this morning when Jeremy and I were planning out the episode. <laughs> and then immediately after we said that news started breaking left and right. Um, we will we'll talk about the the debacles down in down in Miami with their front office yeah. later on. Plus, we'll we'll be talking about um, Olympic baseball making its return. But what is what is going to be most important for our listeners is the new stadium update, which, Max, I, I greatly appreciate you getting uh, Jeremy and myself up to speed very quickly with what's going on with the stadium. So the, the Cliff Notes version, just to set the table here, um, Jackson County went back to the Royals and they submitted a, a you need to know this they submitted a counter offer not a not a offer a counter offer for public financing regarding the Royals new downtown stadium which would the county would pay 300 million dollars over over 20 years that is that is a good chunk of change but max i feel like you're a lot more educated on this than I am. Can you inform our listeners real quick? What is like, what is going on? What is your um, translation of all this? Sure. Yeah. There's a piece up today by Thomas Freestad of the Kansas city business journal, uh, just talking about kind of some of the negotiations going on. And yeah, like you said, it, the Jackson County came up with a counter offer for the Royal stadium proposal, which it doesn't really specify what the offer was, but uh, I think kind of reading behind between the lines, you can surmise that the Royals are asking for an extension of the three eight cent sales tax, which is something they've kind of publicly said anyway. 
um, which generates about $300 million to $350 million for the Chiefs and Royals each um, for their stadium renovations, uh, extending it past 2030 to pay for this new stadium. Uh, the, the county has kind of balked at that a little bit. I think there's been some uh, consensus lately that a, a, a countywide sales tax that taxes everyone is not the best way to fund a stadium that is used only by baseball fans uh, and is uh, pro- beneficial to the team itself rather than uh, the community at large. So uh, the, the county has countered with um, you know a $300 million plan Although it's not it's not specific on how that will be funded, the article does mention a ticket tax, um, which uh, would be a you know amount of money that would be levied on each ticket sold at Kauffman State or at the new stadium. Uh, so that would kind of force the users of that stadium to pay for the stadium itself. Um, that's how a lot of other recent stadium developments have been financed. Um, I know the, the the I think the Braves and the Rangers both had a, a ticket tax that uh, paid for their stadiums in part. Um, so that that's a little more enticing, I think, um, for public officials. Um, but it's a and it's not. It, it sounds like the Royals are kind of balking at that. They don't like having adding you know the price of a, a Royals ticket having that go up. I think that would they they think that would hurt ticket sales. So. Um, you know, there there was been a lot of talk about how the the the, city, the the team has kind of dragged its feet on its on the ask from the county, and things have been kind of slow going. Of course, they were supposed to have a stadium site selected by the end of September, and now we're talking here in the mid October. We still don't have a site. Uh, we still don't really have a, a plan. They're hoping to get something on the uh, a plan on the to put before voters by next April. Which you know, there's a procedure to do that. They'd have to go through some channels before that to get it uh, on the ballot by then. So there's still a lot of uh, hoops they have to uh, jump through and they have to jump through them pretty soon. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me on this, as I realize I just totally missed your message, Jacob telling me to pick up immediately <laughs> after Max. Uh, the thing that I find interesting is that the Royals have talked about the cost of this whole thing being about $2 billion and that they were going to spend in excess of a billion dollars um, which made me think that they wanted the county to pitch in a billion dollars or close to a billion dollars. Um, so hearing that that uh, $300,000 is what's on the table is very interesting to me. For uh, If for no other reason than even the $0.38 cents tax apparently would only get them about $300,000. Um, the Royals, excuse me, 300 million, million. which is only 300,000. That'd be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'd sign that deal. Um, but the, the, the team did, I think, according to the article, they wanted it to be extended for 40 years instead of 20 years, which I guess would be about 600 million. Um, uh, just maybe more, I don't know how that all works out when you double it like that, but still that's not a billion dollars. Um, if the, the county's only going to pay for 300 million. I don't, I, I know I've been on record as being like super opposed to uh, public money being spent on a stadium. And I still am, but if it's only 300 million, um, especially if it came in the form of ticket taxes so that it's, it's the people who are attending the games paying for it, the team paying for it basically um, by either requiring, by either having to lower their ticket prices to get people in the gates or, you know, convince people to pay those higher prices, uh, then that isn't as bad as I had kind of feared. Um, but, you know, it all depends on, you know, is there going to be more money involved? 
again, the article mentions the ticket tax, but it doesn't. The the way it was written was that the county was basically saying, "We're going to offer you three hundred million. We're not going to tell you where it's coming from, so you know you'll have your three hundred million somehow, and we'll figure out the rest of that later, so you can get the rest of your stuff figured out." Um, I the other thing that I think is really interesting is that uh yeah we're still just talking about what jackson county may or may not do no one's really taking the clay county uh potential site seriously not even it seems like the royals so i again just seems like a negotiating tactic because they're unhappy with the offers they've been getting from jackson county well i i've actually heard that from a couple people and i could be blowing smoke that the clay county proposal is real like it's it's and they're more motivated than Perhaps, perhaps uh, Kansas City city officials in Jackson County uh, to get it yeah. done. And there's more land to, to, to kind of be creative with it. Um, now, how seriously are the Royals taking it? I think the Royals prefer to be downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's an it's an attractive plan B if things kind of fall through. And it's a nice chip. I, I, but I do agree. I think it's kind of like it's kind of a, a way to negotiate for, for right now. Uh, as far as the, the total, the, the price tag, yeah, I'm still kind of curious what you know it's a two billion dollar project they'll sell the pay for they'll, they say they'll pay for a billion they've said they you know sherman said at the outset of all this we're not going to ask tax jackson county taxpayers to pay any more than they're paying right now meaning i interpret that to mean okay they'll, they'll ask for the extension of the sales tax but that still leaves yeah like you said like a 650 million dollar financing gap is that if that's going to be paid for i mean I, I think the state will help out a little bit maybe through transferable tax credits or something like that but that's that's still a big chunk that you're not gonna be able to finance and whether that's just gonna be privately financed um that that, that could be interesting the other aspect to this uh counter offer that uh, was kind of interesting from jackson county is that uh you know the stadium renovations were paid through by bonds that were um repaid over time from the sales tax uh the county says they don't want to do that anymore they don't want to basically uh finance this for the royals uh, they want the Royals to, to kind of come up with financing on their own, and then the, the county will pay them, you know, $15 million a, a year from this, you know, ticket tax or whatever tax they come up with to pay off the private financing, uh, which is interesting because I, from what I understand, the, the current sales tax has a surplus every year. Like they actually have generated more revenue than they expected. That, that currently goes into like a, a maintenance fund for the stadiums. I don't know what would happen if it was privately financed and they got more revenues than expected. What, what would happen to that money? Uh, I guess I suppose that's all in negotiation. So there's a lot we don't know, but it, it, it's just interesting. At least they're talking, I guess. Uh, and it sounds like Jackson County uh, is maybe trying to get a better deal than, than perhaps, uh, you know, we got last time around. Um, but we'll have to see what the Royals want. I am, I am all for local government playing hardball. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, with with major league teams on these stadiums because it feels like so many times we see them just kind of roll over and say yeah whatever you want uh we'll we'll push i've talked in the past about how we've seen some governments push it through without asking for or getting approval from their constituents um so like seeing them kind of push back a little bit i i appreciate that i think that's that's a good step towards uh the future i'd like to see yeah, and I do I I will admit on my end, sorry Max, I know I cut you off there. Um I would I would love to be a fly on the wall during some of these negotiations because we've seen some I I feel like some very tangible um distrust from like Frank White regarding the Royals. <laughs> 
Wonder why. I know, right? It's it, it's a mystery to me. I wonder why that's the case. But I I am curious how much um him and his relationship with that ownership group is is playing into these negotiations. I I for one, you know, I'm I am all for public money being spent wisely. Okay? If let, let's be honest, a professional sports team is a is a luxury in a in a sense. And if the ownership group isn't willing to invest further in the area, then why should the city invest in in that team and thus the ownership group in that sense? Like this is any deal is going to put the team and the city in bed together for quite some time. So you want to make sure that you have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed and make sure that all the commas are in the right spot so that people are getting the money that they need. Um, Max, I... Do you have any any closing things regarding this this update on the stadium? Well, I just want to make one other other point is that you know we 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 talked you know I think I'm with Jeremy like if it's only three hundred fifty million dollars that seems a lot more palatable for a public investment. However, that's just direct funding of this project. Uh, you have to imagine they're also going to ask for major infrastructure uh, costs uh, like the Oakland Athletics ballpark that they say proposed at one point in Oakland that fell apart. Um, I think it was with me mostly privately financed, but the big sticking point was that the city of Oakland and the county, I think, had to come up with $600 million in infrastructure upgrades to to kind of repurpose that Howard Terminal area, and they just weren't able to make it happen. Uh, you know, that East Village, you know, there, there's some infrastructure there already, but they're going to need some upgrades. There's not very good access to the highway. Um, you're going to need street, street upgrades. You're going to need a lot of parking, obviously, probably a big parking facility next to it. Um, so this that could get pretty costly, and how much the city is going to be willing to, to to spend on that, I think, is is another big question mark. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I guess we'll have to see what the the ask is because uh, a lot of this stuff hasn't been made public yet. That is true. That is true. All right, we will uh, we'll keep you all up to date as as we know more things. I do, Max. I'm, I might have missed it if, if you did say this. The Royals are kind of behind their own timeline right now, which is something I think that. If these updates start rolling in, they might start rolling in fairly fast. Um, the Royals, they were supposed to announce their preferred site in late September. Um, it is now mid-October, and that has not come yet. But they're still planning on the on all this being on the ballot in April. So the the article from the Casey Business Journal does. Let's see here. I want to I want to quote it because this this is a good piece. This is this breaks this down very well. I will say. Um. Let's see. It says, quote, pose a ballot question on a sales tax extension to Jackson County voters in April, a fast timeline that requires lease negotiations and ballot language approvals to be completed before late January. Guys, I, I don't know about y'all, but nothing gets done in my office over the holidays. OK, like once uh, once Thanksgiving comes, you know, there's a there's about a week of good productivity, but then, uh, you know, the vacations start rolling in, New Year's rolls around, people are recovering from the holidays, things like that. So I uh, I will be interested to see how these uh, how these negotiations go. Jeremy, do you have any closing thoughts before we move on? Uh, I feel like I had one, but it slipped away. Just just floated away. While I'm driving the I, bus, I, I will say that at the rate things are going, I will be very surprised if in April we see that uh, that ballot measure actually on the ballot. Um, just the 
the Royals have consistently been missing timelines on this. There's been a lot of back and forth in the media about who's waiting on who. Um, so to see that happen in time, in, in addition to the holidays, like you said, um, I, I just, I don't see it happening. I don't know. I'll just add to like, like you look at other, you know, recent downtown or recent stadium projects around baseball of like Texas and Atlanta and Miami. Like they came together pretty quick. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I assumed when Sherman announced we're looking downtown, they kind of had his ducks lined up already. Like you know, a lot of people told me like, oh yeah, East Village, it's going to happen there. You know, they've already lined up the the land. You know, obviously the Dunn family's involved in ownership, and they have a headquarters right there. Uh, it's it's pretty much a done deal. And so I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just to see them kind of stumble out of the gate. Uh, just mm-hmm. with bad PR kind of along the way. And, and, and they've really kind of bumble, bungled what I think could have been, you know, I don't think it's as unpopular as, um, as maybe some have made it out to be. Like, I think there are, there's a younger generation of fans that want to see the team downtown. Uh, now it's still an uphill battle, but um, I think to get a, something passed, but I, I'm just not very impressed with the way they've really rolled this all out. Uh, now, if they get a, you know, a very, uh, you know, a, something, that's that looks great. That's that it does offer a lot of the benefits that they've you know proposed, and the public exposure as far as tax taxes are, is is fairly low. Then I think uh, we'll we'll forget about all this. But um, you know, right, sitting right here with Jeremy, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's 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 kind of hard to see um, how you know them getting something together really quickly here in the next couple of months before an April vote. Yeah, and I I you know this is jumping way ahead, but I am curious if. You know, if that's not on the ballot in April, where where does this go from there? You know, are we, you know, that's what the ownership group losing two years of, yeah, you're, of you're, planning. You're probably time? looking at an August vote, and what? How how are the Royals in the standings usually by August? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I do have to think that if they don't have something in place by April, that that's when we might start to finally hear them kind of threaten to move out of town. I still don't think that them actually moving is in the cards. Um, They, I I just, it doesn't make a lot any sense really, but I, we could start to see them start to go, well, you know, Nashville, uh, they could, they want a major league team. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's zero chance they leave. I, I think if they, if they did, start to make rumblings it would be clay county or, or kansas oh yeah uh but i don't it there's two he's from he's he's a big downtown booster they've got a ton of kansas Cityans in the ownership group and i know that that's that it, that doesn't mean you know the the, the cronkies or the stan cronky you know took the rams out of st louis and he was a missouri guy but i i, I don't see the sherman that john sherman moving the team completely out of the town now Right. And he's got a lot of jurisdictions to pit against each other in this metro area. So that's that's certainly a possibility. Yeah, that is. Uh, hopefully we don't reach that point. Hopefully we have um, some more solid answers here in the coming months. But there is um, there are some other things that are in the black and white, unfortunately, around the league that are not too good. Let's focus in on the Miami Marlins because, oof, this was a doozy to come out this Monday morning. So let me, Jeremy, Honey, I want you to uh, I'm going to set the table for you guys. So the Miami Marlins made their first postseason appearance in a full season since 2003. So t- 20 years. That's a that's a good long time just for a yeah. postseason appearance. I mean, Royals fans would know that. So third in their lifetime, right? Yeah. 97, 2003, when they won the World Series both times mm-hmm. and not since. Yep. 
And the, the person behind it all was someone who very much had her unfair detractors around the league and around the fan bases. Um, Kim Ng, I always, for some reason, I can never quite get the ending sound right on her name, so I do apologize. Um, it was, she turned down her mutual option with the with the team and i was like huh okay well maybe maybe she's got something else lined up maybe it's something better you know it it happens it's a mutual option for a reason but then like 30 minutes later we start getting more details about why this was why she turned down her her option and <laughs> just to just to put it bluntly and honey i know this is going to get you a little little aggravated basically the marlins owner bruce sherman was wanting to hire another person and put them above Ng, the person who has been running the team since 2021. He was he wasn't wanting to fire her. He was just wanting to make her second on the totem pole after historic successes. And you know they they all said there, oh well we we appreciate what was what this person did and we, we appreciate our experiences and da 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 da. But I mean, golly, and this this happened really quickly. Ng said, quote, in our discussions, it became apparent that we were not completely aligned on what baseball operations should look like. And I felt like it would be best to step away. Um, this this isn't the, the first time the Miami Marlins have had issues. I mean, remember Derek Jeter? He was the CEO of the team. Like, I think it was, it was either two or three years ago. I can't remember, but he, he left citing differences with the ownership as well. So, um, honey, I want, before we dive into this a little bit more, I do want to get your opinions. Does this, uh, does this stink of a, of Sherman just not like having a, uh, a a female leading the front office? Is that, uh, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it is he's threatened uh, by powerful women if she created historic success for the team and now now only after that historic success does he want to make her second in command he's intimidated by her yeah i think I, that's a good i can't disagree with that jeremy what you know i i was gonna argue you know that um Maybe it was just the differences of personalities because in that athletic article, which is a great article, you should absolutely read it. Um, the, it talks about how they were they've had lots of disagreements since her time there. She's been wanting to get rid of uh, get rid of different people um, that were part of, you know, uh, bad culture before. She's been credited as fixing that culture as well as taking the team to the postseason. And and then. So I thought, well, maybe he just doesn't, he's tired of the disagreements, which he's wrong because obviously she got them to the postseason uh, in, in much faster fashion than Dayton Moore did, by the way. Um, but uh, I, I was willing to say, yeah, I don't know that it's a sexism thing, but the point that, oh, she has success and now you want, it's like she was the top dog for two years. And she finds success and now you want to put somebody over her. I mean, and there's also the, you know, not extending her contract, just giving her the, the extra one, uh, you know, year instead of like the multi-year deal and the raise that you would normally expect for the success she's had. Um, there's just a lot of whether or not it's sexism, it's it's bad 
Um, bad for baseball, bad for Marlins fans, and uh, bad for Kim Ng. Yeah, I, 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 what I'd read, she she wanted to make some big changes to baseball ops that were probably much needed because, yeah, like you said, there were some culture issues in, in Miami. And uh, it sounds like, you know, Sherman got a taste of success uh, at in the standings. But I mean, so their attendance didn't really go up that much. And so perhaps he's just like, well, we're going to your, your 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 ideas are good, but expensive. And so I'd rather be a cheap owner that doesn't make changes. <laughs> and if we go back to the way things were, that's fine. And she's she's uh, gonna take uh, she's gonna go her own way. You know, I was thinking like she she knew the Marlins situation going into this, like with Derek J- Derek J- Jeter and the problems they've had over the years. And so my one, I'm wondering if maybe you know she's like, well, this is the only opportunity I'm gonna get for now. Maybe I go in there for a couple of years, have a quick turnaround, kind of show my my bona fides and and um, and make myself more attractive for a better job that's not <laughs> a terrible ownership situation. Which, you know, there's a Red Sox job open right now. You'd have to think she's at least a candidate for that, or they, they would at least consider her, uh, considering some of the other guys. I mean, they're looking, they're looking at Michael Hill, who also was a GM in Miami and didn't have nearly the success she did. Um, so I, I would think they would look at her at least. Uh, and then who knows what, I mean, the Angels job could open up here this offseason. Uh, I know the Brewers are looking at a GM, although I think, or, or no, the Mets, I think, are looking at a GM, although I think, You'd have to answer to their 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 baseball ops guys, David Stearns. So there there'll be some of the opportunities for her. Um, but I guess the one thing I did want to kind of bring back to the Royals is that you know there were some rumors this summer that the the Royals and Marlins were talking about a Salvador Perez deal. He lives in Miami. Uh, he, supposedly he's open to to kind of accepting a trade there. Uh, this could throw a wrench to this a couple of ways. Number one, you're dealing with a different GM. Kim Ang's not there anymore. Does another whoever replace her is is in, are they interested in acquiring Salvador Perez? And then the second one is if is if Sherman really is going cheap. If this signals that he's going cheap again as owner, does that mean they're not going to be willing to take on Salvador Perez's contract, or the Royals maybe have to eat more? So that's just from our angle. You know, we're looking at the Royals' perspective. That could be another kind of wrinkle in things. Yeah, that's a that, that's a great point, Max. And I personally, I kind of think that this does you know put any talks between Miami and Kansas City like not just on the back burner but like hey we're we're putting this on the on the table on a pot holder and we're going to forget about it till it's uh, till it's time to eat. <laughs> yes, Jeremy, I, 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 I I'm trying here, man. Because throw that metaphor under the bus. Yeah, um yeah, I just don't I don't see a way that that a deal gets done with a with a new person leading the the front office. It seemed like it, there was already kind of some tenant like it was very tentative. It was very iffy any negotiations were. So I am um, I'm curious if if that happens. But hey, maybe for all we know, maybe it was Sherman pushing for the for the trade to uh you know get a get a face down there try to sell some tickets because we all know you know Salvador Perez is pretty well liked around the league and I'm sure he would be an easy person to market to the Miami Marlins fan base so that is uh that is something to keep in mind and what what if they end up hiring Dayton Moore i mean they they need a right. GM now <laughs> Dayton Moore is out there you know he's had he's had a year of success with the Rangers you know well it's i Jeremy but sorry to cut you off again man so you were listing off possible um, jobs, Max, and the only one that you didn't name that this athletic report talks about is the Chicago White Sox. Um, apparently, their ownership group is looking for someone who might oversee Chris Getz. 
um, which I think that would be an interesting dynamic. We just talked, we've, we've talked about before how the Chicago White Sox culture is not very good. And here, here's a person who has, is on the open market and turned around a culture. So I am, I'm curious if that happens. Um, Jeremy, I, I think I already know this answer, but if the Royals brought her in and made Piccolo and her like a one, a one B, do would you support that? Would that be a, a good move in your book? Uh, I'm I'm all for uh, Kim Ng being in the system. She had a lot of success in Florida. You know, that's uh, like, hey, do you want do you want a top player prospect? Sure, yeah. Do you want a top <laughs> GM prospect? Yeah, sure. Um, but a one A one B situation where like they're kind of co equal does smack a little bit to me of too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, and I don't think at this point you could bring her in over JJ Piccolo um, without completely undermining him. And I don't, I don't know that she could really help the team that much if you brought her in under Piccolo. That so um, I, I, for, I think it would, it, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to bring her into Kansas City right now. Max, do you concur? Um, I think she would, she'd actually be really good for a, a kind of overseeing like club president role. I, yeah, but I kind of agree, like bring her in now a year into his tenure is kind of an awkward structure where like you yeah. just gave the key, gave him the keys and now you're going to take him away. Like if you're going to do that, I think you'd have to clean house and say, okay, it's Kim Ng's organization. Now she can hire whoever she wants to be under her. Um, so I, I, I think that would, I wouldn't be totally against it. Like, I think she's smart. I think she's capable um it's just it would be i think bringing in anyone right now you'd want to bring in people that are clearly under piccolo and i think it's like when you it's like when a presidential candidate brings in a really attractive vice presidential candidate it's like well why is that person at the bottom of the ticket if, if she was under piccolo you'd be like why isn't she running the team and if she's over him uh it's like well, why is he even here <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's a that, that's a good point it's I at least wanted to ask the question folks were, you know, there's plenty of people in the Royals fan base who are not happy with JJ Piccolo. That's, that's not fair. That's not fair to him. I didn't know if maybe this was a move that could appease multiple parties, but it's, it's an unlikely move, even if it is discussed, which I, I doubt it is. Um, but she's, she's in my book, the top GM option out there on the, uh, on the market. She has the track record. She has the, the know-how, and I am very interested to see where she goes because I think she needs a a situation where she has a lot of latitude. I think she didn't have that in in Miami, and she's not going to get into a situation like that that again. So she might have learned learned that lesson the hard way, unfortunately. Jeremy, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? No, I I was just thinking about the the Houston situation actually because it's very abnormal for a GM to lead a team to the postseason like that and then not, you know, be asked to stick around for a while. Um, and then I've thought about the, the, that that did happen in Houston, I think last off season uh, where their general manager kind of wasn't offered an extension and also chose to move on. So just throw that out there for anyone who's like, Oh, <laughs> she's just kind of, she, she's, she's asking for things that other people aren't getting. It's like, no, uh, other people are getting this and other people who are treated the way she was treated also choose to move on. Yeah, that is uh that is very true. So listen, if 
if you want to if you want to keep up to date on on any movement there Royals Review is always a good place to go. You can find a lot of MLB news and updates there, but it is mainly Royals all the time. So, guys, let's go ahead and get back to the Royals because uh, Dylan Coleman is is making appearances on my YouTube feed thanks to uh, <laughs> the one and only Jeremy Greco. So, Jeremy, I do I, I want to get your thoughts on this because this is a it's it's a lengthy video. It's an eight minute long video of of Dylan Coleman in Tread Athletics. And we, we talked about this before him setting records there at Tread Athletics. Yep. And now we're getting an extended look. And man, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Are you, Jeremy? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm really unfortunate that um, I was unable to really understand what they were talking about. Ah. But uh, it did sound like um, the the coaches he was working with were were very happy with the progress he was making, um, and he seemed to really grasp what they were explaining to him, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and and obviously, you know, he was he was throwing some real nice looking pitches in there. Uh, I guess at this point, we just wait to see what he brings to spring training. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Max, here, here's why I want to get your, your opinion. It is hard to, personally, it's hard for me to think of a Royals player in 2023 who kind of disappointed more than Dylan mm. Coleman. Um, he had, you know, fireballer righty. He had the tools to be a key part of this bullpen, and the results just weren't there. The stuff wasn't looking as sharp as it was. And I know we kind of went through this cycle with, driveline last year with hey brad keller's looking really good zach granke's looking really good and we didn't really get the results we wanted but my question to you max is seeing stuff like this does that make you more optimistic about dylan coleman um i mean yeah i, I think it's, it's good that they're kind of using all avenues to try to improve players i mean that you know the royals kind of famously did not allow players to go outside the organization for help. You know, I think that was well documented in the athletic article that came out a couple of years ago from uh, Alex, Alec Lewis and um, Rustin Dodd. Uh, so now they're a little more, they're, you know, allowing guys to do that. Cole Reagan's I think famously went this summer and, and got some help outside the organization and it seemed to benefit him a lot. So it's, it's good to see them kind of loosening up on that and allowing guys to kind of figure out any way they can. Uh, I agree. Dylan Coleman was a pretty big disappointment. I think I, I, I was pretty high on him, I think, last offseason saying, oh, yeah, he's going to be a big part of this bullpen. Boy, he was, he certainly was. And, I, I mean, he's, his, and he seemed to get kind of worse as the season went along. Like even the minors, yeah. his numbers were just terrible. Like, he couldn't throw strikes at all. Um, so, you know, he's he's kind of at a point where, like, he kind of needs to produce or is he's not going to find his way back to the big leagues because, you know, a lot of guys can throw hard. It's Can you throw hard with strikes? And, and that's, a, that's what he's really struggled with. That is true. That is true. And I don't know. I would love to, you know, it, it's the off season. You get a lot of latitude with having, you know, players and people in the industry on, on podcasts like this. I've had great experience with that in the past. Would love to absolutely get someone from Tread Athletics on here to like really, you know, so we can better understand what's going on with this uh, motion capture and, you know, what they're seeing and what like why fans should be optimistic would absolutely love that but guys let's keep it with the royals um this was going to be our our main topic today before <laughs> uh, before everything happened we're uh slowly starting to roll into 
more of the 2023 in review, putting it behind us. The uh, the league championship series are going on right now, so it only seems fitting that we would be in full swing by the time the World Series is over. Um, so here is my question to you guys, and I'll go ahead and start off. I don't want to put you guys on the spot. I want to know one player that you were surprised by the most and what surprised you the most about them. See, like for for me, it was it was Michael Garcia. I was very surprised by not only Michael Garcia being a productive hitter for most of the season, but mainly his glove at third base because he only had a handful of appearances there in 2023 in the minor leagues at that. And here he is. He's getting thrust into the full-time third base role for the Royals. A, because you, you want his bat there. But I was just really wondering like, hey, that is, we saw it with Bobby Witt Jr. That is not a always a natural transition. You know, a player can have a really good glove, but just third base can be a, a different beast. And lo and behold, Michael Garcia proved me and any of his doubters wrong, having an incredible defensive season and one of the best defensive third basemen in the in the league. So I wanted I want to give props where they're where they're deserved. The Royals infield coach. I I can never say his name correctly. Max, can you give it a, an attempt for me, please? Is it Jose Aguasil? I don't I don't yes. know if that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's the listen, it is Jeremy knows my ineptitude when it comes to actually pronouncing names. So I appreciate that, Max. But he that coach has got a lot of a lot of attention for good reasons this season. And I think one of his earliest success stories in 2023 had to have been Michael Garcia and that transition to third base. Jeremy, could you uh do you mind going next? Who was who's sure. someone you were surprised by? So I really want to cheat and oh, say uh, Cole Reagans and and James MacArthur, but I'm go- I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go with Alec Marsh and uh, and honestly his strikeout rate. Um, that's that's the specific aspect of Alec Marsh that surprised me. Um, obviously he did not have as much success as he would have liked as we would have liked um, in the results, but that strikeout rate of 10.29 batters per nine innings um, as a starter and as a bulk reliever is it's just, it's really good. It's really, really good. I wrote about him uh, for one of my uh, postseason reviews and, and really the name of the game uh, as I wrote there for Alec Marsh is going to be those, those three true outcomes, the strikeouts, the walks, the home run, the strikeouts are right where they need to be. He's got to get one of the other two, down and then he could have all kinds of success um just because the strikeout rate is that good um and it's it was very exciting i was i was always very interested to see him pitch even when he wasn't pitching well um and i look forward to seeing him again next year i do as well i do as well all right max you uh you are drawing the short end of the stick here (laughs) who is uh who is your surprising player Honey, we, we will get to you after Max. I wanted to bring you in last. <laughs> I, I got to go with Bobby Wood Jr. I just, I mean, I, I thought he was going to be good, but I thought he was going to be like three wins above replacement good. Like, okay, good with the glove, uh, can run, but probably like a 240 hitter with 20 home runs and, and 30 stolen bases, but, n- you know, not a great on-base percentage. And he just kind of, he, he, he 
ascended to stardom this year. He was a fantastic player, uh, really just turned it on the second half. His defense was even better than I expected. I, I thought he would improve, but not by this much. So credit to the coaching staff for that. And then his um, his strikeout rate. I don't know if enough has been made about this, but there was a 133 qualified hitters in baseball th- this year. He was 37th in lowest strikeout rate among them. A, a guy that was not fooled that much this year. Really good plate coverage. And I know he's not walking very much, and I thought that would be a big limitation on his uh, skills and his value. But when, you, when he's putting the ball in play that much and making things happen with his legs and and, and hitting for power like that, I mean, it is, I don't think it's going to matter that much. So he's a guy that's going to get some MVP votes, and, and deservingly so. And he's a guy that's really exceeded my expectations and looks like he can be a franchise player, probably the first real franchise position player the Royals have had since like Carlos Beltran. Yeah, and Jeremy, we, we've talked about some of the concerning um, parallels between Bobby Witt Jr. and Carlos <laughs> Beltran in, in the past. So hopefully the uh, the Royals have a different ending to a fledgling superstar story. I, I mean, Mark Tien was one of my favorite players, but I would like to not trade Bobby Witt Jr. for him again. <laughs> that would That would be ideal. But Honey also has a surprise player. I she is telling me via via chat. So so <laughs> Honey, who who's your surprise player from this season? Well, I was gonna say Hunter Dozier just to bother you because you always give him shit, and I keep telling you to be nice to the man. Um, but I was gonna just break the mold entirely and throw a little bit of chaos in here, um, oh, and not surprisingly, the Phillies this season. Oh my word. Um, cause they're, they're going to clinch their divisional championship. And... Well, that now they are in the, uh, they're in the championship series now, now, honey. So I did That's not, what uh... I just said. well, you, you the asked, did they win the championship? I was like, no, they have not won the world series. Yet, I, said honey, they're they gonna, I said, they're going to clinch. The championship. Oh my God. All right. All right. I'm out of my mouth. Nope, I I sure don't. That is uh th- that is marriage in a in a nutshell. After a while, since we're at the end, can I derail us for a second? What? Okay, we're at the end, right? We're at the end of this. We're wrapping up our thing. Let me derail this for a second, Jeremy. Do you know what this man did this to me this week? Oh no. Okay. How did I get in the middle of this? TikTok. That was like the funny trend of like, if we get divorced, what three things are you taking with you? <laughs> Oh no! This, get ready for your explicit tag. This fucking man put a divorce day in our shared calendar for two years from now on his birthday. Oh boy! And then three days later, added a second event to finalize the divorce on her birthday. <laughs> Our, our birthday, our birthday's three days apart. I'm born on the seventh. He also birthday. told me he was taking my dog. To be fair, Jacob. I also, I all listen. She said three things that you get in the uh, in the divorce. I was like, okay, I get, I want the house, I want the mastiff, I want Morgan, and then I was thinking of a third thing. Wait, I did you just pick a favorite child? Yes, I did. He Jacob, my child. <laughs> I adopted this dog. I brought her home all by myself. I fed her hot dogs for three days straight to bribe her to love me. I am her (laughs) human, not him. That is true. That is true. But my third thing was I said her. Like I just I just get honey in the in the divorce. I I I don't think you understand how any of this works. No, I don't. 
I don't. That's why I got the answer so wrong. And I told him I was going to tell Scout on him, and he said, well, to be fair, I'm thinking about the longevity of the future, and she'll just be the youngest. And I was like... I am anyway, if nothing, Jacob, I am nothing if not a surprise player of the season is Jacob Miller. Wow, I, I, am, I am enraged as well now. Wow. I have no Max, am I am I in the wrong here? Should I just take I was told to be on my best behavior. I'm not even taking sides. I I already promised it's the meme from the office, but I already promised other people I would be on my worst behavior. So (laughs) sorry. That is true. That is true. All right, y'all. Hey, let's uh let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Let's roll into some Royals review, reviews, 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 reviews. I need a I need an echo or something at that point. All right. Good luck. Jeremy, with, with that face being so rude, you, you get to start tonight. Okay. All right. Go I'm for ready it. for you. You oh ready? Boy. Yeah. I watched last night. Weird. The Al Yankovic story. Really? With Daniel Radcliffe? With Daniel Radcliffe on the Roku channel. Let's go. I didn't I did not know what I was getting into. <laughs> Let's just I did not know what I was getting into. Um it's advertised as a Weird Al Yankovic biopic, which it pretends to be. Um, I don't want to. I expected it to to have you know some to be dramatized a bit and to have some inaccuracies to real life because that's that's how biopics work. Um, I expected it to probably be over the top beyond that because it's Weird Al and it was advertised that way. Uh, I. I was not prepared for what it really was. And I, I I desperately want to tell you everything about it, but I'm not going to because you absolutely have to go into that movie not knowing what's coming because it is it is amazing. I, I, I as I was texting a friend last night, uh, I every couple of minutes just made me go, what what even is this movie? What even is this movie? Just every every couple of minutes. And it made me smile and so happy and it's, it's hilarious and it's charming. And it even has a weird Al Yankovic original song over the credits. So, uh, gotta, if you're a weird Al fan at all, even if you're not a weird Al fan, I don't think you have to be a weird Al fan to enjoy this movie. Um, you can just be a fan of kind of absurdist humor and I think you'll still enjoy it. Um, so I, I definitely recommend it, but if you are a weird Al fan, you have to watch it. It's required. Listen, I'm not even a weird Al fan fan, simply like not having that experience. I know who weird Al is. I don't know his craft very well. So, uh, it still sounds like an entertaining. How did I marry? (laughs) This is what I'm wondering. (laughs) I ask myself this at least once a week. I know I know one thing Jacob's not getting in the divorce. What? Me. Wow. <laughs> Max, can you save this podcast, man? I'm getting ganged up on. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> save it like Carlos Hernandez in the ninth inning, huh? <laughs> oh. oh dang. Dang, I like it. I like it. Hey, what what you got for a review, Max? Uh, so I've been reading, I've, I've mentioned this on the side a few times to the point of being kind of obnoxious about it, but I'm reading, um, Eric Longenhagen's, uh, of Fangraphs and Kylie McDaniel of ESPN wrote a book called future value. 
the battle for baseball soul and how teams will find the next superstar. And it's just, it's a really good book for anyone that's like a huge baseball nerd that likes, wants to know about like what goes on in front offices, how teams strategize, how they assemble their scouting departments, how they scout the Latin America, uh, what they consider in the draft. Uh, it's, it's a lot of interesting tidbits. He gives a little, he doesn't get too much into like what specific teams do, although he did work for the Braves for a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Kylie McDaniel did. And so he did, there's actually a few chapters about, or a few paragraphs about uh, Brian Bridges, who the Royals just hired to be their scouting director. Um, but there, there's some interesting stuff about strategy, like how teams will try to, uh, you know, every team has a trade model and then teams may try to game those trade models, knowing other teams are looking for certain things. So they may, try to draft guys that are college hitters that they know will succeed in a ball so that they uh, will put a big numbers and other teams will want to trade for them or uh, Dominican pitchers who have a big curveball and will have put a big numbers in the DSL because 17 year old kids can't hit a big curveball. And so they put up big numbers and then teams will want to trade them for, you know, international value money or, you know, bonus money or whatever. So a lot of cool, interesting, you know, behind the scenes stuff that I didn't really know. Some of it gets a little um, kind of, tedious because you know i know what the rule five draft is and he kind of goes into depth explaining that it's so because he assumes that you don't know really that much about the ins and outs of baseball but um if if you really want to know what goes on in the front office i think it's a really good primer so check that out it's called future value the battle for baseball soul and how teams will find the next superstar it does sound like a good read i'll always love insights like that especially in the front office stuff because we don't get that very often honey what do you have for a review tonight Let's see. Did I talk about Exorcist Believer yet? Uh, yes, you did. You talked about it on last on last episode. All right. So this one's a little bit of a throwback. Um, but with the release of The Fall of the House of Usher, which is the third limited series um, that the Haunted of Hill House people have done, um, the second being The Haunting of Fly Manor, uh, I will give a throwback to, I think this one came out in 2020 or 2021. Um, but if you're a horror fan, uh, the actress who plays Theo in Haunting of Hill House um, is in a phenomenal limited series that Netflix did called Midnight Mass. And that will fuck with your head. Okay? It is <laughs> so beautifully done um, and so twisty and turny and you will not guess what's coming in every episode. You will just be like, what the hell is going on until you get to the end. And it's phenomenal and fabulously done. And you will not guess the ending. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a mind fuck. But it's, if you're a fan of horror um, thrillers, it's super, super, super dope. Um, I think it's 10 episodes long. Um, but if you're a fan of the haunting of Hill house, etc., etc., um, some key members from the cast also appear in, Midnight Mass, and you will love it. Go watch it. Thank me later. Yes, it is a it's a very good watch. I, I will say, I do. I'm finding that I prefer the limited mini series over a a movie nowadays. I feel like there's a little bit more time to flesh things out, and Midnight Mass takes good advantage of that. Um, to wrap this up, I'm going to give a little bit of a premature review because I have about 20 pages left in it. Um, I'm going to review a book called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. Um, I, I picked it up at my schoolhouse library here, and truthfully, it, it looked interesting. I was like, okay, this is, it's talking about like the scientific stuff of how talent is built. I'm uh, 
let's see how this turns out. And it has been a phenomenal read. I'm talking about the different elements of how talent is kind of cultivated. Um, he goes and talks about his research, like on site with these, you know, areas that have seem to have certain talents and what, you know, what grows that and what fosters that and things like that. And plus, um, I didn't realize when I started reading this that he's actually a, I'm trying to think of the title, he's a special consultant with the Cleveland Guardians since um, October of 2014. So he's uh, he's very much in the sports world. Uh, he also does some work with ESPN, and he is, I believe he's a Navy veteran. I will have to double check on that. But he, uh, very, very good resume, very good read. And definitely make some some highbrow stuff very digestible. So please go check out the talent code if you want to learn more about that. Uh, I know I've annoyed Honey talking about Myelin over the past couple of couple of weeks, um, but it is very much worth it. All right, Jeremy, that is it. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments before we get on out of here? I like sharp. Sharp, sharp cheddar cheese. Really? Yeah. Like the, the mild the, stuff. But that's like, it's like hard and crumbly. Isn't it? Doesn't have to be. That's the only sharp cheddar cheese I've had. Max, I mean, yeah. what, what type of, I mean, we were talking about nachos to start off this episode. So you already know what type of cheese guy you are. What's your, what's your favorite cheese? My favorite cheese? Yeah. For nachos or for other for sandwiches, it's Munster. But I think for uh, nachos, you need you need the sharp the sharp cheddar. Really? Okay. All right, honey. Uh, what what's your favorite type of cheese? Just all all purpose cheese. Um, the only correct answer to that is a movie quote, but I think it's going to go over your head. Probably is. Go for it. Well, yes, I do. My favorite Gouda. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that She's one. Man. You don't know Gouda? No, I don't know she's no, the man know the Oh. <laughs> also, my closing thought is, can you see this beautiful baby? Aww. And he wants to take her from her mama. Well, to be fair, in this scenario, you were, you were wanting a divorce in this scenario, so... If... <laughs> I think I was justified. No, my <laughs> All right. Well, Katie and I are going to go fight a little bit on <laughs> digging, digging up holes. I'm digging up holes. Morgan likes me best, just so you all know. Yes, that, that she does. All right. Well, hey, let's get on out of here. Max, thank you so much for joining us on uh, on short notice tonight. It was a lot of fun uh, to have you back on the podcast. If y'all want to go follow Max on social media, you can do that on Twitter. Max, please remind me of your handle real quick. I'm actually not on Twitter anymore. So if you want to follow what? me on social media, follow me oh at, the, at the Royals review account. Uh, you probably, I'll you probably go. be able to respond there. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. And if you want to follow Honey and her art and her thoughts, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Handmade by Honey Co. And I, I'm not even going to put my stuff out there because there's no reason why you'd want to follow me on social media. I'm just, well, just I, I think you're just afraid you're about to get flamed. Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> 
no, people can do that in the Spotify Q&A. Please go, go flame me there if you're going to do anything. At least we'll read it on air. But from, from everyone here at the podcast, thank you so much for listening, y'all. Thank you for your support. And until next time, go Royals. Yeah.